0: Welcome to my podcast, D-Sharp Thoughts, a podcast about strong women with some sharp thoughts and great inspirational stories. I'm Diana Sharp, your host, an empowerment and resilience coach for women. Today's episode is brought to you by D-Sharp Coaching Services. We work with women to help them gain greater clarity around their purpose, redefine their goals, rediscover their voice and execute in a more strategic way through our personal development and career coaching sessions. Most women will admit that there's nothing like having a good girlfriend who is more like a sister, someone you can share the most intimate details of your life with, someone you can cry with, someone you can laugh with, celebrate wins with, someone who inspires you with their own story of grace, courage, and strength. Today, I'll be talking to one such inspiring sister, Marie Vaughn Cadmus. Marie Vaughn Cadmus is a registered therapeutic counselor candidate with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada. She serves in the Christian Education Department as a Sunday school teacher and Christian Education Director at Bethel United Church in Surrey, B.C., Marie has been involved in the counseling ministry for approximately 31 years. She graduated from Sternberg College Counseling Therapist and Community Mental Health and Addictions Worker Program. She's currently pursuing a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies and Counseling. She's looking forward to launching her own private counseling practice and will continue to work in collaboration with Moving Forward. Marie is the mother of four grown children Two girls and two boys. She has lived a life of emotional pain related to traumatic experiences, which include sexual abuse, rape, mental abuse, physical abuse, depression, and overcoming forced suicide attempts. Marie possesses wisdom, insight, a sense of humor, compassion, and empathizes with those that need a safe, non-judgmental space to process their emotional pain and help them to live a flourishing life. Marie believes in a holistic approach in counseling. She promotes spiritual education and advocates for mental health and wellness. Marie received an award for Going the Extra Mile from Seneca College of Applied Arts and Technology for her dedication in creating a learning environment inside and outside the classroom. Marie is the author of the book, Roses Among Thorns, flourishing in the midst of adversity. In her debut book, she writes, life comes with challenges of various nature, but as the sun rises after the dark night, so we too may rise above the complexities of life. Obstacles may be used as stepping stones and pain for gain. It is my absolute pleasure to sit with this fine lady today Welcome to my podcast, Marie.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Diane.
0: It is Thank my you. pleasure my... to have you.
1: Yes, it's my honor um, to be dispatched by the Holy Spirit at this yes. time that He deemed it fit.
0: Amen. In the service of our Master, Amen. Yes.
1: Please. Tell
0: our listeners who is Marie? So, without tying it to any of the jobs you hold, your Jamaican culture, things you do for others and for yourself. Outside of all of the things you do, how do you describe yourself?
1: Who are you? Um, Wow, who am I? Um, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made and that's no kidding. Um, I am a child of God. That defines who I am. Um, And the reason why I say that, I remember as a young child, um, I was experiencing something and my dad, who was sitting not very far from where I was, he heard me crying. And I would have been about six or seven years old at the time. And my dad called me over and he said, do you know who you are? Wow. And I get choked up every time I remember that incident. He said, do you know who you are? And I said, no, daddy, um, I'm a poor me. Wow. I'm a poor thing. And he says, no, you are a Vaughan. Wow. And he went, of course, he went on to tell me, you know, uh, when pe- if I know, ask me what happened to people who see themselves as a poor thing and are a poor me. And he said that we will never make it through life. And he said, you are a van, Wow. And he went on to tell me what it means to be a Vaughn. Wow. One, that, that time with my dad stood out with me. I did, of course, I didn't understand why he was telling me who I am. But now that I get older, that I got older, I said, okay, if my dad can be telling me, my earthly father can be telling me that my identity is defined by my last name and what avans me, then I decided to adapt that principle in me being a child of God. Who am I? I am a child of God. Yes what does it mean to be a son of God? Because my yes. dad asked me if I understand what it means to be his daughter. Asking a six-year-old six or seven-year-old that question, I don't know. Yes. But now I understand that. What does it mean to be a child of God? Yes. My father only created, made me through my, you know, with my mom. But I am defined by God who created me yes who didn't fit to put together dust and cause me to be alive he caused me to be alive so he's my maker he defined that I'm fearfully wonderfully made he I am royal priesthood and those sound cliched but it's God that kept me um when my mom believed that I wouldn't be normal
0: yeah.
1: on the Sunday morning of November 29, when she asked God to take me back because I would not be a normal child mm-hmm. because trouble had already found me in the womb before I even came out. And my mom said that um, she asked the Lord, she wouldn't say about the time, but you know Jamaican parents, they still have some religious yes. belief. And she said she asked the Lord to take me back. And she was really praying. And She said a Christian nurse showed up in the in the, in the, in the, in the, in the room where she was that Victoria Jubilee Hospital. And the nurse asked her if she believed in God. And, of course, she said yes. So the nurse asked her if she would like her to pray for the baby. And the nurse put her hand on my mom's stomach, pray for my mother, pray for the baby. And Stepped off for a minute, a few minutes, and my mom said I came out on my own. Didn't even wow. cry or anything. I came out on my own. There was no nurse. There are no doctors there to assist with the birth. Wow. I came out on my own right there on the mattress.
0: Wow. So when you say you're fearfully and wonderfully made, created and defined by God, you know what you're talking about because this has been yes. from birth. God has had his hand upon your
1: life. He had been with me all my life, though I didn't recognize it, right? Yes. I didn't recognize it. It took years to really, he had been there showing me, but I I really did not um, recognize it to be so. He has always been there. There's a song that says, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it all to God. Yes. And I owe my life to him. Powerful. What are, what are your passions and your purpose? My passion. I, I enjoy, I don't like seeing people suffer. Yes. And um, I I share that in my book. Um, I I just have this ability to sense. Now I understand that it's, it's been an, an empath and many people may yes. not understand what it is to be an empath, but from a child, I had this uncanny ability or to sense when someone was hurting, especially if they're in my environment. Yes. I, I, for some reason, I, it's like I draw them in. And, yes. and, and I would go to my mom and cry and you know, bring on people's problem to her. <laughs> and so when I remember it showed up when I was in grade two, uh I, I showed have in my book, but it showed up when I was in grade two. I came home from lunch, just finished having my crackers and my porridge because I live near school. So when I came home from lunch, I was just sitting there doing my work and and I don't know, finished my work. And I was just looking around the classroom and I noticed this little girl with her head hanging down. And I got up and I went over to her to ask her if she needed my help. And, and um, she didn't finish her work, so I helped her out. And then my teacher, Mrs. Scott, Mm -hmm. I forget her name. I, you know, one would think that she would have deemed me as a troublemaker, but she came over and she asked me what was wrong. And I told her and um, what she did, she put a bench outside the classroom and used me to help the students who were unable to read. And that impacted, I'm talking about it now, and it it choked me up that day. Wow. Great tool. Great so, truth. so
0: your life event moment, or that turning, that turn in the road, that fork in the road, that life changing decision, or that major decision that many of us have to make—you, you
1: experience that in great truth. It was a, it was your carved out for me. Yeah. Yes, wow. She put me outside the classroom underneath that tree. I think that tree is not torn down, but she put me outside the classroom, and and every day after lunch when I come from lunch and classroom start she pushed me outside the classroom what? to <laughs> use me yes to teach those little children to read of course some of them didn't like it one of them gave me a licking of course wow. yeah because they thought I became no, a teacher's pet and then the teacher followed me home yes she followed me home and while she was she held my hand and a caucasian teacher and I looked up at her face and you know this little, you know, because I think grade two year was six or seven. So yes. I'm looking at her. And she went home with me, told my mom and my dad, you know, because you know I got 100% in class in spelling, and she gave me a little pack of Planters peanut, nice. a little long pack of Planters peanut. Came home to congratulate my mom, and so yeah, that pivotal event. Yes. That day, I don't remember what the other week it was, you know. But I remember the teacher respond to me. And so, yeah, wow. I did that until I left Shetola Park. So your passion and your purpose is wrapped up in helping others. I think that the next event that was close to that, I got 100% in class. But a little boy who was living in my home, he was copying from my paper. Right. And I hid my paper from him and he got some of their he was copying my work and he got some of the words wrong, but he was living in the same yard with me. And when he came home, again the teacher followed me home to congratulate my parents that I was a good speller because they wanted to put me in the spelling bee contest in Jamaica. Right. And I didn't realize that Mead, his mom, gave him a licking. She, she gave him a, a licking that day. And I I felt bad. I felt really bad. And it's, it was at that time I said that I wanted to teach people how to read. Yes. Yes. So I took up literacy. So, so those two incidents, learning, it it, it kind of carved it out for me. Awesome. You've
0: had some good memories.
1: Um, You have lived a good
0: life, you know, in terms of your (laughs) upbringing and the values you were taught but you've also had some traumatic experiences. Um, What were some, if you care to share, and you don't have to go into the details just enough so we can understand the power and the might of God in terms of the transformation of what he can really do for us. What were some of the traumatic experiences you've had to overcome that have made you a kind, compassionate, and caring counselor who advocate for yourself
1: and others? Um. Well, so far I had a a pretty good childhood. Yes. You know, up until the age nine, eight. My father, which was my world, um, he died. And then all of our world um turned upside down. Yeah. Uh, we know in Jamaica how it goes. Uh, my mom had to leave the only home that I knew Yes. and move to Waterhouse Hill Avenue. And from there life just began to spiral. My mom migrated to Canada, sorry, she migrated to Canada. And then, um, I went to live with some relative and that's where the abuse started. Wow. I didn't, couldn't escape it. I was molested and, um. But even there, God was with me. Yes. Um, I remember one morning I was on my way to school because we moved from West Street and now living in Hill Avenue. And I was on my way to school one morning. And so I would usually have to get off a coronation market. Mm-hmm. And walk, I don't, don't remember the name of the street and walk all the way up and go back to school. The same place where I used to live and go back to school. So it was painful for me. Cause I would have to pass Madden Funeral Pallos. They remind me of my dad. And then there, not too far, you know, not too far, there is KPH, where my father spent his last day. But I remember that morning on my way to school, and I was on the bus. And I remember that I'm gonna have to pass those painful memories again. And now I remember that. Wait a minute, my mom took me to. Parade and I can take the bus from Parade and get to school. Mm-hmm. But when the bus got to Coronation Market and, and the bus driver called, you know, the conductor called Coronation, who getting off here? And I smiled and I sat up in the chair. I went to parade and went to my bus stop. And while I was there, it was early that morning, but, but where I was standing, it was slightly breezy that morning, the so slight. And I noticed, um, some flowers were just slowly dancing in the wind. It's like they were just waltzing to the wind. And I became curious and I ran over to see this bush. And as I approached it, you know, the scent that was just coming in my nostril, it just took my sorrows away from remembering mm-hmm. that I lost my dad. And as I approached it, I noticed that it was, it was flowers, they were beautiful. And as I drew close to pick one of the buds, the thorn on the limb picked my finger. So I was curious um, as to why the thorns is at the bottom and the flowers are at the top. But it was the flowers at the top that, that, drew, ma- that yes. drew me. Yes. And I, I used to go to Sunday school. So I understood at that time, as weird as it was that God was telling me, I am going to be that rose of the monk thorn. That wow. no matter what I went through, I am going to come up. I will always rise above it. And wow. that pivotal event stayed with me to this very day. No matter what I go through, even if I go down and I cry, I'm going to come back up. No matter what. Powerful. I'm going to come back up. Yeah, rose among thorns, beauty in the
0: pain, right? Hope in the midst of despair. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So tell us more about your healing process. What was healing and recovery like for you? Even after that period where you had to lose a parent is traumatic, exceedingly traumatic. Um, going with relatives, being disconnected, separated from your other primary nurturer is, is another yeah. major traumatic event. And then, yeah. you know, not to be handled with care and love from those who should give it is exceedingly traumatic as well. Um, yeah. Passing reminders, memories, things that, you know, reminded you of life with your mom and yeah. life with, with your dad and without your dad. All of those together were tough. How did you overcome? How did you heal? Even as a little girl, who were you talking to? Who was helping you to process um, all your emotions? I know God was giving you um, revelations, which is good, and He was holding your hand through it all. But what was your recovery process like? And did you
1: have anybody you could talk to or lean on? Um, My sister, who was my guardian, yeah, she was great, but she she died. I never knew. I told no one. My sister died in 1980, in May 1980, right? Wow. So I really, it was a world, it was a quiet world. Um, I spent most of my time in nature wow. under that almond tree, just talking to the almond tree and songs. Songs were what got me through. Nice. And of course, I wasn't saved. So um, the other day, um, I remember um, a song, of course, it's secular, you know, song, but it was songs that got me through that yes. time period. I would listen to songs. And as I hear these songs, I would sing them to God. Even, it, was, it, it, it was really weird. Weird. Um, it was just the other day, one of the songs by Yvonne Elliman. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I would have been 14, 13 or 14 when that song came out. And I text my brother the other day and to ask him how old I was how when did that song came out and I remember it was right after one of one of the abuse that I had encountered Wow!
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I went under the almond tree and that song came up and and I was singing it but it's like I was singing it to God if I can't have you I don't want nobody else God so so songs were what really get me through and humor Yes. Uh, Because I didn't want nobody to know that I was going through these stuff, so I kept them to myself. It was not until years later when I came to Canada, my mom knew. Nobody knew. I told no one. Wow. Uh, And of course, I would write and journal little leaves, toilet paper leaves, and tell off these people, you know, and do what you know. But I had humor, and sometimes I fought back. I still have a scar in my eye, of where I fought back. Um, but in the midst of it, humor was one of the things that got me through it. Songs uh, and by me just talking to, you know, spending time out in nature. Um, but eventually, years later, when I came and migrated to Canada when I was 15. And um, so, in 90, I think it was 1998, I began to face my past. Again, the Lord used various circumstances and events that would lead me to Montreal. Yes. To go and tell my mom. And um, in this dream, I remember I went there. And one night I was dreaming that I was in this place. And I saw this young lady or here was just matted. And she looked dirty and everything. And the long and short of it, um, the Lord appeared in the dream. This man appeared in the dream. Mm-hmm. And I said, who was, that? who was that woman You know, pushing this cart and all of these things? And the Lord told me. And the person said, that was you. And you... the Lord showed up. And said, no. you need to share your, tell your mom about your past, kids. If you go back to Toronto, the way you came, you're going to literally go mad. Because my past was not catching up with me. Because I was pushing it down, pushing it down. And, and of course, me pushing it down, it's not going anywhere. No, no, no. If you don't deal with the past, it's going to deal with you. It's like garbage. One of my teachers call it the garbage in the basement. Yes. Eventually, this stench is going to come up. It's going to, you know, go in other part of the rooms. It's going to go into your relationship. It's going to yes. spill out in your work. If you're a boss yes. and you're going to deal with it, you know, you're going to become angry, road rage, not fully having intimacy with your husband. Your husband touch you. You know, he can't touch you because you see your husband as the perpetrator that touched you and that person that touched you here or touched you there. You know, you really can't have even full flourishing relationship with God. Right. You can probably think that he did it to you. Where was he when you were being molested, you know, and all of that. So, so I really didn't fully come into it, but in all of it, God was still with me. And so I finally started to face it in, um, in 19, I think it was 98. I, I mentioned it in my book, but, um, I started to face it. And then the Lord began to, in fact, let's go back. I started to go to, I called, um, a rape crisis center yes. in Toronto because that's where I was living at the time. I'm not living in BC, but um, for some reason, again, life just led me. I wanted to volunteer and to help people. And I called the, the rape crisis line just to help people. Kind of crazy because I, I haven't yet dealt with my past. Yes. And by going there, they, um, this was the first time in a group I was able to say I was molested. And I hated it. Yes. That, that was the first time I didn't understand about holding the space. Right. I was allowed to say it. Everything that I wanted to say, I was allowed to say it. And so by going there, then I now ended up on the crisis line. Where I became a crisis line counselor, where, where, where I volunteered. And it was from there and then the Lord began to lead me down the path of becoming a counselor. Yeah.
0: Mary, you're a courageous woman. You are courageous. You are resilient. Um, and you have pre- persevered, right? And, and you have endured so much. You have gone through a lot, but you, you have endured it. And there's so much in what you said, so much that we can unpack. Um, you gave us some key strategies and we can talk some more about that, but you used music, which is a good outlet. Uh-huh. You you turn yeah. to nature um, and without even knowing it or having a, a real intimate relationship with God, you turn to God and you saw, you sang love songs to him. You prayed, you talked to him. You wrote notes to yourself, right? You let it yes. out, you create a release um, and you really communicated how you felt like this is not safe, this is not good, I don't like it. Right. And you speak your feelings towards yeah. um, your the persons who were not being kind to you without even causing them harm. Um, and, and then you turn around and you slowly began processing your pain, um, shared it with your mom, which is another important step in healing yes, and coming yes. back and getting that kind of therapy in a group setting. So now, you know, you're not alone. You're in a part of a community. And one of the things I really, really love that you said, if we don't deal with the garbage in the basement, it permeates the entire house. It comes up into the main living room, that fancy living room, that external face that we show the world, that beautiful face that we put on on a Sunday morning when we go to church or the face that we wear Monday to Friday. It shows up in our relationships. It shows up in our lack of patience. It shows up in Mm -hmm. our lack of trust or lack of intimacy. It shows up everywhere until we deal with it and process yeah. it and heal from the trauma and mm-hmm. then that this now takes us to the meat of our conversation this <laughs> takes us to the work that you're doing yeah. um you know sometimes and I always tell people it's these things that qualify you to do the work that you're doing right yeah. it makes you relatable it makes you authentic it makes you sincere you're coming from a place where you have experienced it you have been through it and you don't want anybody else to go through it. So you're not no. only trying to rescue, but you're trying to, those who have gone through it, helping yes. them to heal and to recover from it and to thrive. Talk mm-hmm. to us about the work that you do as a counselor. I've heard you share some of the benefits, but what are some of the benefits that persons reap when they talk with a counselor um, and they work with a counseling therapist
1: like yourself? How do you help your clients? Providing them the space yes providing holding the space for them yes yes holding the space yes for them um be a container yes be a safe confidential empathetic yes empathetic container with no leakage yes right and allow them to say what they want to say without saying oh you need to forgive oh that's a pet peeve for me yes shoving forgiveness down their throat oh at least the lord at least the lord at least the lord at least the lord I, i because in my time, I tried coming out and saying it, but I always do forgive, forgive. So holding the space, yes. letting them know that they're safe. And one of the things the Lord taught me is that sexual abuse is not a death sentence. No. Because for me, I thought life sentenced me to death. Right? So holding the space for them letting them know that there is hope that's my favorite word in the whole entire English language hope yes it is something that happens to you but it is not who you are yes sexual abuse is an event it is not it did not define you it does not define you It, it is an event as and as hard as it is, and I said that with all, all sensitivity, it's an event.
0: Yes.
1: It is not your being. Yes. I hope that makes sense. It is an event, it it's not it your does. being. Yes. And there's, and there's a difference between the two. So provide them hope, listen. Yes. Just listen. Because sometimes people come um, in counseling, they just want somebody to listen. They're not there for me to say. And of course, I cannot tell a client what to do. They can right. just guide them. Right. They just veer off the path. Because trauma does veer you off the path. And they just need to get back on the path. And they usually know how. Yes. But they just need that guide. Um, I, I mentioned that without trauma, you can see where you're going. Yes. The day is light and it's beautiful. But when trauma comes in, it gets dark. Yes, you don't recognize you anymore. You can you can no longer see where you're going. And so what healing does, it gets you back on the path. Yes. Of course, you will still remember some stuff, but it no longer, but because you know what the skills, or what, what counseling does, they give you the skills, it gives you the yes. tools to understand, to be present in your body, to know what's going on. For example, if um, for example, for me. One of my triggers were I would be walking down the road, and if I see a male coming, I stop breathing. Yes. Because I don't want to smell him. And so I would stop breathing. And, But now that I have the tool, I understand that I don't have to stop breathing. This event happened years ago. Right. So I know of the tool that when I see a male coming towards me, breathe, Marie. You are no longer in danger, so I no longer have that fear. Right. But before this fear would, would really grab me, so and giving just giving them the tools, knowing that God cares, yes. um, and that you can go forward. It's just an event. Trauma is an event. Yes. It's not your being. Absolutely. Yeah
0: invaluable information, could you share one, one of those tools or one of those strategies or resources that clients can use to heal and
1: overcome from trauma? Find someone to talk to. Yes. Um, own your pain. Own yes. it. Yes. Own it. Because when someone has tells it, they tell it in the wrong way. Don't let the trauma tell it. You tell it. Because when the trauma tells it, it's, it, it's said that you are this angry person. You're yes. unloving. And you know that's not who you are, right? So don't let the trauma tell it. Don't let, because the trauma, the depression, the depression, the anger, the fear, the anxiety, those are what that, that are telling the story, right? And if you're an anxious person, you go to work. Anxiety take over. You got to leave sometimes. And 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 you know go back and and of course you know anxiety you know is kind of good in some ways some right. anxiousness is good some good stress but we don't want the bad um, anxiety right so we can um, go forward and just learn to speak to someone talk to someone the more you you hug it up and I say the enemy wants you to keep it. I work with the shame for years own your pain don't let know because when you don't own it you become vulnerable to disruptive to dysfunctional relationship because you're gonna choose in and anybody because yes. the pain is what directing you right and have its own voice right one of my blogs that I created and you know we'll soon get it fully going finding your voice yes. find your voice and by finding your voice is by Sharing your story, tell it to someone, and most above all, God didn't do it to us, somebody did it right. right And just share it, and I know get healing. I love that. And that's what you did in your book.
0: A powerful yes. first book, a really good book. Yes. Roses among thorns, flourishing in the midst of adversity. You told us about the story, the prick on the finger from the thorn, the beautiful rose at the top, and the lesson that God showed you in that moment talk to us about flourishing in the midst of adverse,
1: adversity what's your book about and what do you hope readers take away let that rose flower it, it has these different petals yes and that no matter what right um even while you're in it in the God promised that in the wilderness in the solitary places you can grow Yes, because that's what in, in, in the solitary places, when um, a, a seed is planted in the ground, it is alone. It has no one to tell it to grow, but God, who is the sun, shine on you yes. and enable you to grow. And it's it's amazing. You need dirt to grow. Favorite vegetable, fruit, or whatever, reach to the store. It went through adversity. Yes. It had to be planted in the soil and and fertilizer smell, but use the dirt to grow your dream. Yes. And that's no kidding. Use it. Psalm 30 said, I will extol thee, O God, for thou hast not allowed my my foes to rejoice over me. The foes here is the abuse. Yes. All those things, but use it to grow. Exodus talks about Exodus chapter one said that the more they afflicted them well, the more they grow. Yes. You cannot stop a plant from growing. It's going to find ways to grow. And as long as God is in me, he will allow me to grow. So even in the midst of those times, my God, God was with me. I have hope. Yes. Have hope. Cry. If you must cry. I cried years for years and years, but don't lose hope. Don't give up on you. That's what Satan wants. And that's what the world wants. Yes. But don't ever give up on you. Somebody may think that you are not worthwhile. So they dump their garbage on you. That's what the Lord told me when he finally gave me the mandate. He said, Marie, I need you to go and take the garbage out of my people. Yes. Because garbage was dumped on them, and I didn't dump it there. Right. Somebody else did. Yes. God didn't dump that abuse on you. He pain didn't was dump inflicted that on, you. on you. Yeah. pain that, was that inflicted pain. on you. And it, it, that wasn't and God. It didn't uh, yeah. come from God. No. He paid the price. Yeah. And so we don't have to go through it, but we live in a fallen world. We wish we could escape it. But know that when you can, uh, um, Exodus again says that the more. The flourishing grew is the more fairer. grieve, and I thought about that, Sister Diane. I said, "But wait a minute, grieving here's the enemy putting you in bondage. Yes, are you multiplying? Yes, so you don't even have to take revenge for mm. the mere fact that the enemy see you flourishing. Then it's gonna grieve. And one thing, what the Lord said to me, Lord said to me, Mary, don't cry, don't cry, let like the enemy sees you. Go in the back and cry, but oh. never cry, let like your enemy see you." Because it bothers the enemy. It bothers those. Maybe, maybe they're, they're in a, you know, a church pew. Because sometimes we, you know, we're sitting in church pew. And we are crying. And people say, yeah, 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 right. good for you. No, no, no. Save the tears for back door. Wow. But in front of them, you are strong. Wow. And that's what God taught me. I cried behind closed doors. But now I'm learning pain is not who I am. Yes. And that's no joke. I am worse. No matter what you did. Another thing that the Lord showed me my value. Yes. (laughs) My value. I found a $10 bill in a garbage one morning Mm -hmm. and it, it was raining that morning and the $10 bill was in the garbage and the garbage was stink fried garbage. But she was this $10 crumpled up on top of this garbage bin. And I took it out. And I said, okay, God. This is who, this is me. Yes. I have scars, but I'm scarred for his glory. I, somebody molested me, but they didn't determine my value. I am still Marie. Yes. Still valuable. Still daughter of the king. I'm still Marie. Yes. So, because Even if you, because you, those abusers did not determine my value. They didn't understand my value and they saw the beauty in me and they want to destroy it. And that's the enemy's work. Right. But they did not determine who I am. I was a $10 bill. I was a child of God before the abuse happened. I am a child of God while the abuse is taking place. And I'm a child of God coming out of it. Ah, love that. Love that. So who are you before the incident happened? Who are you while it's taking place? And who are you after those three pivotal points of your life? And that was what kept me going. And I learned that years, Of course, I learned that last year because I'm still going through the process. Some, some of the incidents that I experienced are yet to be process but now i have the tools yes i have the tools now i have Wonderful. god's grace the, one of the tools is god's grace one Wonderful. of the tools is his hope yes. one of his tool is the restoration of the breach yes restoring me and sing the barren woman all of these things no weapon formed against me shall prosper because my maker is the husbandman were fashioned and formed after his likeness, right? Held yes. in his hand. Um, where can we get copies of your book? Um, on Amazon.com. Called- Amazon. Amazon. Yes. It's awesome. There. I want everybody to go out and
0: grab a copy of Roses Among Thorns Flourishing in the Midst of Adversity by Marie Vaughan Cadmus. You also host some wellness events and workshops. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's a great time because you're doing them online and lots of persons can join in in the evenings and be encouraged and be refreshed um, and learn some new tools and, you know, some new strategies and resources. Tell us about the events and workshops you host and who's your intended audience and what's coming up
1: next? Um, In the past, I was on the Tyler Morgan Heart to Heart show. So there, um, I did an interview with myself and my two daughters, because they are also authors. Uh, My two daughters, they wrote a book, I Want to Sing Your Song. Mm -hmm. uh, Because the book was birthed actually when I was homeless, but I was hidden. That's when the book came alive. So um, I did workshops on, uh, the last one that I did was, was on Alzheimer's. Keeping a healthy brain. Yes, um, I did it on postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did it on that. Um, I did it on alter work, which I I am not working on that book. Alter work is trauma work. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I I have my teacher to thank for that, and that was inspired when I was in one of my um, class and I saw the work that the teacher was doing with alter work is trauma work. I said, oh my God, altar work is trauma work because people are processing pain. Yes. And you know, so the 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 counselor is almost like an altar. Yes. You know, without being sacrilegious there, you bring the you know the altar, you bring your pain to the Lord and He works in you. And of course, trauma work is no walk in the park. No, no,
0: it's not easy. It's it's intense. intense. It's filled it's like with a lot of emotions. It, yeah, it's filled with everything, yeah. Lots of blood and yeah. unpacking and yeah. opening up and scars and bruises and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you have to be careful. And you have to be yeah. trauma-informed. And you have to be sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be competent to handle, yeah. to handle the hurting, right? Handle yeah. the wounded, right? Mm-hmm. Bandage them so, up carefully.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's an so, exciting so, book that's coming yeah. out. Yeah, so I looked at that and I said, oh my God, I'll do this trauma work. So I did... One of the workshops that I did yes. with, with Tyler Morgan, I did one of the, 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 the workshops on that as well. And so I'm working on that book, is Trauma Work, and then um, another book that I'm working on as well, uh, because eventually the Lord told me that he wants me to write. Yes. <laughs> that was a struggle, and that's a different story, but that was a struggle. Because I never wanted to fully go, in, go into counseling, but it was the Lord that said, that's where I want you to go. Yes. Right. So I'm working on another book about uh, the Christ mental health and wellness, Christ-centered approach to counseling. Right. Yes. So I'm working on that. And then, and of course, I will be rewriting my first book. That was just to get out the gate, but I'm going back to rewriting it. Those the month on. And so those are some of the events that are coming. Those are some of the books that are coming up. Um, the next event that I that I'm planning on doing is to really going into right where the Lord wants me to go, sexual abuse. And so that one had been in the background, finding your voice, sexual abuse. I want to do that that seminar. So when I wake up in the morning, I I ask the Lord to go with me because he knows my day. Um, I ask him, I pray, I, I journal, listen to music and ask the Lord to guide me to be with me throughout the day because you know what I'm going to experience and then I get up to go but throughout the day I discern the Lord's voice because I believe he's everywhere I look at the trees I love nature I listen to songs I crochet I crochet and I've decided pick up back your craft um I'm excited you see I'm sitting up now I I crochet and I finally made because I love to make hats yes Revisit your craft, go back. If you're, if you you know, what is your hobby? What gets you up in the morning? So what begins to get me up in the morning? The fact that I can pour into somebody else, that but pour into you first, yes. pour into you first. Jesus Christ became the Resurrector before you can resurrect others. Yes. Right? So pour into yourself, forgive yourself, love yourself, listen to yourself, have enough sleep. You alone can't do it. And what is your hobby? It's never too late. I went back to school at the age of 50 something. I finally graduate and here I am, late bloomers. It's never too late to be who you are. And so I go back in my craft, I'm not crushing. I had a crochet group last year, overcome your fears, go towards it, use what you have, use what God gives you and all of that. So yeah. that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Those are yeah. so many things that we can take away and
0: implement in the different aspects of our life, or wellness, for or physical health, or mental health, or skills, yeah. or gifts, or talents. Yeah, I love that so you much. Stand. You have given to us. One of the things I'm excited about is that you can work with persons not just in British Columbia, but you can work with persons internationally and in
1: different spaces. Remind us how can we contact you to work with you. Well, for right now, I am with Moving Forward Family Services. So, if you want to be counseled, um, you can contact me there, or you can contact me through because um, Heart to Heart Talk Show. Mm-hmm. You can contact by the Terrell Morgan, or you, or they can contact you, and you have my number personally. That they don't have to go through all of that. They can email me at Marie Vaughn M A R I E. V-A-U-G-H-A-N-64 at yahoo.ca. Awesome. Thank
0: you so much. And We can get her book, Roses Among Thorns, Flourishing in the Midst of Adversity on Amazon. Go ahead and purchase a copy today. As we close this episode, it's your favorite word. It's one of my favorite words too. As we close this episode, what words of hope do you want to leave with our listeners
1: today? The hope that though he slay me yet in my flesh i will see the sunrise i will live the life that god created me to live smile because god is taking your picture yes absolutely amazing though he
0: slay me yet will i trust him yet will i smile right yet will i see grace in the moment Because I know he's with me always. I love that. It has been my absolute pleasure talking with Marie Vaughn Cadmus, registered therapeutic counselor candidate with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada, Sunday school teacher. Who doesn't love a great Sunday school teacher? She's an amazing Christian education director at Bethel United Church in Surrey, BC, a servant of God, author, mother sister, and friend. Thanks for listening to D Sharp Thoughts podcast. This episode is sponsored by D Sharp Coaching Services. If you know someone who'd benefit from my academic advising and career coaching services, please send me an email at dsharp 2013 at gmail.com or via my website www.dsharpthoughts.com and I'd be happy to connect with you to show some love by sharing our podcast if you know someone who'd enjoy a dose of sisterly inspiration, stay tuned for a next episode when we talk to another sister who is just like you until next time, be kind to yourself and others.